every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be holy. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the battle. Matthew 22, verse 37 says this, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus, as we come before you here tonight, God, I pray that you will speak to each one of us. God, it's pointless for us to be here if we're not encountering you. So God, I pray that you will open the scriptures to us. I pray, that, uh, I pray that you will speak through me. Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, I need you. There's no point in standing up and preaching a, a Sunday school lesson. That is not what any of us are interested in. We want to encounter the living God. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will be present in this place tonight. Draw us to you. We love you. Amen. I want to talk to us tonight. Last week, obviously, we, uh, we talked about uh, the first commandment where, where when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, or with all of your mind. And uh, I want to talk tonight about, about the second part of this phrase. In, in verse 39, Jesus goes on to say, he says, that's the first and greatest commandment. And he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And and even as I was was reading through this and and praying about it a little bit, I I realized that most of the time as as, uh, I read this verse and as you hear sermons taught about this and, and different things, a lot of the time I feel like this second part, this and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, is kind of taught like a, a tag to the first part. It's kind of like, love God, love God, love God, oh, by the way, love people. You know, and we kind of, we kind of lump it in like it's the sub-sub point to the sermon. The whole sermon's about loving God, and the sub-sub point is, oh, and you're supposed to love people. And, and I'm, I know that even for myself, I, you know, I ta- I've taught about how if you love God, then the natural overflow of your loving God is that you will naturally love people. And I think that's true, but, but even as I, I look at it, it, it struck me at, at how Jesus responded with this answer. Because here's why. When Jesus was come, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he responded not only to love God, but he responded also with the second greatest commandment, to love others. And I see it here. Jesus is saying, you're asking me what the greatest commandment is. I think the second greatest commandment is so important. Though you did not ask me, I'm going to tell you anyway. This isn't some sub-point. It wasn't like Jesus needed to fill time. And so he was like, ooh, I want to make a two-point sermon instead of a one-point. I want a two-point answer here because I want to be awesome like that. No, he was saying in this moment, he was saying, you know, the guy came and, and his whole point was to trick Jesus. And he came and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded with what the greatest commandment was. But he didn't stop there. He said, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
I think it's important that, that we don't stop at the love God part. And I know for me, this is something that the Lord's been, been speaking to me the last months and, and tr- you know, trying to get me into loving people because sometimes people are a mess. And sometimes it's hard to love people. But Jesus said this crazy thing. He said, all of the law and all of the prophets hang on these two commands. Everything hangs on these two. Number one, love God. Number two, love people. It's not a sub-point. It's, it's right there. Love God with all your heart and love people as you love yourself. And I just, I, I thought it was interesting even, the, the second thing that I noticed here is when Jesus, and I think this is really important because I think this really highlights some of Jesus' character. The story, most of you all have read this story and you know what's happening, but this is the third time that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law have come to Jesus uh, in this chapter in order for the purpose of, of kind of tricking him and trying to, trying to get him to stumble over his words and trying to get him to say something that he doesn't want to say. So they're coming specifically with a plan to try and trip him up. And Jesus, you know, Jesus knows that. But, but I, I find it so interesting here. That Jesus, what he does is they come and they've kind of failed two times before. And so now they're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask him what the greatest law is. And, and how, who can say what one law is better than another? And so they come and, and they decide that they're going to ask him about the law. And the thing I love about Jesus is that what he does in this moment is he takes their question of the law. And he changes it from the language of law to the language of love. See, so often we like the language of law. We like to talk about rules because if you tell me rules, I can tell you if I like them or not. I can obey the ones I want to obey and I can break the ones I want to break and then just pray about it later. Repent. Not really, but we like, honestly, like though we hate rules, we kind of like rules. But what Jesus did is he took the language of law and he flipped the script and he talked about the language of love. I think you see this a lot in, in throughout his whole ministry. Uh, look at the Sermon on the Mount. Some people, some people kind of view the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus' uh, essentially like the Ten Commandments for the, for the new, you know, for Christians. And, and, you know, in the Old Testament they had, they had the Ten Commandments, but then Jesus came and, and he kind of gave the new set of rules. But if you actually read through, Jesus never once, it, it's not about rules and regulations. Jesus never gives a rule. Jesus, what he does is Jesus, in his ministry, aims at the heart and allows the actions to follow. He aims, and, and that's, why, that's why it says here that all the law and all the prophets are, are, hang on these two commands. Because if you love God and if you love people, then guess what? Your heart is right. And in your heart being right, then you're able to, to obey all the other laws. See, I mean, here he's, he's a pretty smart guy. I don't know if you know that. Pretty smart guy. Every time they came to attack him, he, he knew exactly how to respond. And here he takes it and he changes it from the language of law to the language of love. In this time, they kind of had a, they, they had a, what they would do is, uh, it's kind of this phrase that they called building a wall around a law. And, uh, and so basically what that means is that they would, uh, they, they make laws to help people obey the law. 
And, uh, and so essentially, you know, kind of a, a picture of what that would be is if the law is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, the, the idea of building a wall around that law is defining, okay, you can only walk 2,000 steps in one direction, then you have to turn in, in order, so, because if you walk further than that, then you're really, then what you're doing is you're, you're working, and so we don't want you to work. So, so they, they build all these other laws around the central one in order to kind of keep us or to keep the people from, from actually breaking what the real law was. I think, honestly, today in our culture, I think we do that sometimes. I think that sometimes we, we take the Scripture and we, we make all these outer things in order to keep us from breaking the, the really bad ones. Or the really good ones, but the ones we're supposed to follow. And you know what is interesting is I don't really think there's a problem with that. But here Jesus... He sees through the people, and he sees that sometimes it's okay for us to set up these, these outer ideas that keep us from, from breaking the laws of God. But if our heart is wrong in it, then it's a legalistic, gross way of living. And it's just making up rules and regulations so that you can feel good about yourself. And Jesus looked at these people, and he said, I don't care how you feel about yourself, you don't know God. He said, I know why the law is there. I know why this rule is there. And it's if you if you first love God and then you love people, then then the others will all take care of themselves. So I just I think that there's some phrases in there that are really important for us to look at as as Jesus is talking about the idea of loving other people. And that's what we're talking about tonight. And the truth is, is that. I feel like it's really important for us as the furnace, for us as followers of Christ, to, to really, it's what was prayed earlier tonight, to love people as Jesus loved them. It's not, it's not Jesus doesn't give that to us as an option. It's not like, hey, uh, I'd really like it if you, if you loved other people. No, it is, it, he, he puts it here as the second greatest commandment. And this isn't, you know, it's not like that, the no fear t-shirt where second place is the first loser. That, that, that's not, that's not, this is like big time. Like we, we can't just sweep this under the rug here. Jesus tells us to love people. And, and the reason I want to talk about it tonight is because I think sometimes for us as Christians, and, and we're all over the place, all of us in this room, we're kind of all over the spectrum. Some of you are, are new to following Jesus. And, and uh, so the whole idea of, Loving God and loving other people is alive and active in you. Others have been, you've been in the church since you were, the day you were born. And, and sometimes when we've been in that setting for a long time, some things begin to, to get dry. And I think there's a lot of times where we're not really acting as people that love other people. We, we, we try to make it look like we do. We try to do good things. But ultimately, if, you, if you're just trying to do... Listen, Jesus didn't say, love the Lord your God, you know, with, with, with all of, of your hearts and all of your soul and all of your mind and be a humanitarian. You know, he didn't say, he didn't say love God and do good things for people. You know, I mean, I think sometimes that's what we view loving people is doing good things for people. But Jesus didn't say, love God and buy a, one, a, a red campaign t-shirt. 
You know, that wasn't, that wasn't what he was saying. Now, I'm nothing against red campaign if you're into it. I think, truthfully, we need to be people that love others more. But we can only love other people to the extent that we love God. We're only able to love others if we do the first thing. It's, it is a progression. So we have to love God first. And here's why. In Genesis 1.27, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. If you love God, it becomes evident through your loving people because we are made in his image. If you love God, then it's, it becomes easier to love other people because you love that they are made in the image of the one that you love. And so it becomes, it's something that you, we can do. We can see God in them. Now, it is clothed, cloaked in sin. I read, I read a story this week and the idea was, you know, about a, a mom and a dad who have a kid. And I, I, this last weekend, actually, I, I just went and I, I just hung out with my best friend. And he has a three-month-old baby. It's really weird. I mean, him and his wife, too. And it's really weird for me because, first off, he's tiny. And, like, I'm used to, I have nieces and nephews, but they're all, like, they're all bigger now. And so I forgot how little kids are, little babies, you know, like three months old. They're tiny. And this sucker could cry. I mean, he was, he, was, he was so good. And then all of a sudden, he would just like go off and like crying for hours, you know. But, but it was so fun to see them kind of like, you know, talking. And it's fun seeing your friends and, and having kids. It's my, first, it's my first like high school friend to have a kid that is uh, like really close to me. So it's really weird. So some of, you, some of you are about to enter into the stage where all your friends start to get married. And you think that's weird. And it was. I was there. It was weird. All my friends, most of my friends got married before I did. And so there was a day where I realized all my friends are married. It's weirder when they have kids. I mean, I've known this guy since he was like five years old. I know how irresponsible he is. And he has a child. I pray for that son. I pray for him. But, but the story that I was read uh, talked about this couple. And they, they, had, a, they had a newborn. And... They, they, they would kind of do the arguing cute over who he looks like. Oh, he looks like me. No, he looks like me. Oh, you're right. He looks like you. Oh, no, he really looks like you. And, you know, they kind of, they talked through, like, who does he look like? And, and, and he was their, their son. And, you know, he was, he, they got married and they had a kid and it was really exciting for them. And, and their heart was overjoyed to have a son. And then as the years go by, he grew up and began to get in more and more trouble. And... Eventually, one day, he was captured, or he, he, he broke the law, and, it, you know, he got into a lot of, a lot of different, a, a big mess, and ended up killing someone, and uh, went to jail. And through the course of this time, the, 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 the father died. So the mom goes and, and visits the son in jail. And as she's looking at her son, as she's seeing who he is, she hates that, that her son is a murderer. She hates the sin in his life. But she cannot help but recognize that he looks exactly like his father. She cannot help but see the, the person that was made in her image. And though she hates who he has become, she loves him all the same. 
as we begin to love God, as we begin to behold God, as we begin to see who God is, mankind is made in His image. And we begin to be able to see elements and pictures of God in other people. It's the only way you're really going to love people is if you love God and therefore you're able to love them. Because human beings are broken and a mess. And we, honestly, most of us, like, there's a lot of, of grossness in the world. There's a lot of sin. But as we begin, if we can see that each person is made in the image of God, we be, we're able to love them. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. I don't know, if you're the, I don't know what kind of person you are. I don't know if you're the kind of person whose heart breaks for other people. I don't know if you're the kind of person who has tons of friends. I don't know if you're the kind of person that, as you ask yourself tonight, am I someone that loves my neighbor as I love myself? You know, I, I don't know what your answer is. I think most all of us would agree, though, that we don't love other people to the extent that God loves them. We don't love other people to the extent that we're called to. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Friends, I think this is a really big deal that we, we pray for and ask for a spirit of love in all of our hearts for other people. This verse causes some questions to come to mind. If you open up to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 gives a pretty similar account of this, of this story. And... Um, when Jesus, you know, talking about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, as the man that came and, and wanted to test him and, and see what, he, you know, to see if he could answer correctly, and said, how do I obtain eternal life? And then finally, his final question was, he said, okay, love my neighbor as myself. Well, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I think that's a good question for us to ask. Who is our neighbor? Anybody in here grow up in uh, like a cul-de-sac neighborhood? Anybody grow up in the neighborhood? I grew up in, in uh, a neighborhood where we had like a green belt. Anybody know what green belts are? Green belt? Yeah, Oklahoma. Woo! I don't know what it was either. That's what we called it. But there's like this huge strip of grass and a creek. And at the time it was a creek, but now I know that it's a creek. And, uh, and so, you know, behind us. And, and we... In, this, in our neighborhood, there was tons of other guys my age. And so we'd always play sports together. We'd play basketball. We'd play football, whatever. I mean, I can tell you to this day, I, can, I remember them. I remember the, the Bershek twins that were, you know, behind my house and over 200 yards. I remember Greg Hill, who was directly behind my house. I, I, remember, I remember all the guys that, that we used to play these sports with. And, and they were cool. They were fun guys. Every day we'd go home and, you know, like, we were really good students uh, in school. And so every day we would get home from school about 3.15. We'd watch Batman Beyond for 30 minutes, take a little nap, and then go out and play till dark. And Because uh, we were studious, and we knew that you studied better at night. And so we wanted to fill the daytime hours so that we would get good grades. But, uh, and so we, you know, we'd always play sports. But, but there was this one guy 
Like, I got along with all of them. They were great guys. It was great because none of us, like, none of us were really athletic and none of us were really popular. So going out and, and doing this, playing sports together was really fun because all, any of us could be, like, the best on any given day because we were all so bad. And, but there was just one guy who was, like, they all were really cool guys, but, but one guy in particular was, was uh, I'll just say he wasn't my favorite person. You know, he's the person in your neighborhood. I don't know in your neighborhood if you had that person. In my neighborhood, we had that person. And he was that person that, that we would go out, and any time you go out to do something, uh, he'd always try to pick a fight with somebody. Like, you could not have him out there and, and him not getting a fight. But he wasn't just the fighter. Like, he was the, the kind of guy that would get up in your face for no apparent reason. And then in order to instigate the fight, he'd kick you in the shins. That's not cool. Like... That's pretty, de- I mean, in the shins? Really? You know, like, and so he always, he just made us all so mad. I remember specifically one day we were out playing football, and, uh, and I, I, like, caught a pass, and, and I went to run upfield, and Craig Bershek laid me out. I mean, I was, I felt every vertebrae in my back pop. I hit the ground so hard. I mean, it was, it was the hit of all hits. I mean, we didn't have pads because that was for pansies, you know. And so, like, we went, and he just knocked me to the ground. And I got up, and, like, my back was, I mean, I felt everything. I couldn't move my arm. I was like, dude, that was a good hit. And then I tried to keep playing, and uh, I was unable to. And so I was like, hey, guys, listen, Craig knocked me out, and so I got to go home. So I remember as I'm walking home, I remember this guy, my favorite person, I could hear him mocking me as I was walking home because I, I had to go home because I was hurt, right? And so all of you guys understand what that's like. They're, you can hear the people in the background, oh, look like Dan can't handle it. And, you know, like they're all making, I remember so specifically his, his mocking my pain. Never do it again. Anyway, and, uh, and, I, and I was like, oh, you know, I just kind of, I, I didn't like, but I was like, all right, you know, maybe I am. Maybe I should come out and play. So I'll just go home, see if I'm okay in, in a little bit. Well, I was still in pain hours later, and so I decided to go to the hospital. And it turns out in that moment, I had uh, I'd broken my arm. And, uh, and when the doctor told me that I broke my arm, do you know who the first person I thought of was? I was like, how dare he make fun of me when I broke my arm? I was like, that is not cool. That, that, that was one of the neighbors that in that moment I did not want to love. I said, no, Jesus. Not, not, not him. I said, the other guys are great. They go to church. They're nice guys. Him, him, no. Surely you don't want me to love him. This guy that came and asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? His point in asking, that the scripture is very clear, is, is to justify himself. Because... He probably had people in his mind that, that he knew he loved, and he probably had people in his mind that he knew he did not love. And he wanted Jesus to tell him, oh yeah, you're supposed to love the people that you already love. So Jesus goes on and tells him the story. And we, we, we all know the story. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. And it's the story of a guy who's on the road and get, gets jumped and beaten and uh, everything. He gets robbed and he's left for dead. And as he's, you know, he's laying there dying, the, uh, a priest walks by. And, you know, most people would assume that a priest is, you know, 
the clergy, you know, it's kind of like today, you know, a pastor drives by, you think maybe, maybe they're going to do something. But the priest was afraid of, of becoming ceremonially unclean, so he didn't want to touch someone who was dead or dying. And, uh, and so he kept going. Well, then next comes the Levite. I'd, I'd classify the Levite in kind of the us category if you were talking today. The Levite is the kind of guy that it, it knows the law, he goes to church, loves God. You know, it's not just the casual Christian, you know. And, uh, and the Levite walks by and sees the guy dying and keeps walking. And so the people listening to Jesus, they know where the story's going. And they love where the story's going. They're like, yeah, the priests, I don't have to love them. They're mean. Those religious people, they're mean. Jesus is about to tell us that next up, the, just the good old boy came and took care of him. But Jesus skipped over the good old boy. And he went straight to the Samaritan who came, saw the man hurting, cleaned his wounds, took him, put him up for the night, paid for his doctor bill, made sure he was okay. The Samaritan in the story represents the exact person that this man probably did not want Jesus to say. He represents the, the, the exact person that we, when we ask Jesus, okay, Jesus, I'm supposed to love you and love my neighbor. Tell me who my neighbor is, and please don't say this guy. You know, please don't say my boss. Surely they're not my neighbor. You know, the, the Samaritan represented exactly who the people didn't want Jesus to say. And yet, that's who Jesus said. He said, your neighbor, love your neighbor. Oh, your neighbor, it's the, it's the person you don't want to love. For the most part, I think it can be fair to say, when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he meant, love everybody. Everybody. So then I think the second question that's obvious that we ask is, okay, so Jesus, are you telling me that I'm supposed to love myself? Is this a self-love, you know, love your neighbor as you love yourself? How do I love myself? What does that mean? To what extent am I supposed to love them? I thought loving myself was bad. Some people will teach on this and say that this is Jesus trying to uh, tell us that we're supposed to love ourselves. And, and I really think there is something to that. I think there's something to realizing that we are created in the image of the living God and, and, and seeing uh, ourselves as he sees us. And if God loves us, then who are we to not? But I ultimately don't really think that that's what Jesus' point was here. Ultimately, I don't think that, that Jesus was saying, because uh, I think if he wanted to say that, he would have said that. But what he said is he just made the simple fact, love your neighbor as you love yourself. E- Ephesians verse 5, chapter 29, or sorry, chapter 5, verse 29, says this, After all, no one who ever hated his own body, or no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. I think Jesus is making the simple, obvious statement, you do love yourself. I don't know if you know that you love yourself, but you do love yourself. Here's kind of how I see it. You know, what does it mean to, to love ourselves? What does it mean that, that we are supposed to love others like we love ourselves? I think, you know, one of the things you think of is self-preservation. Uh, an example that I quickly think of is, you know, um, I like to, to when, you know, on a hot summer day, if you can go to the pool... It's always fun to go and swim in the pool, but swimming eventually gets boring, especially in a pool because it's so small, right? And so, uh, 
So eventually you start getting creative, and I'm a guy, so that creativity usually leads to, like, chicken fights or, uh, you know, like, human sea-do races or, you know, different things of that nature. And, and inevitably, it always ends up where someone is underwater longer than they desire to be. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. It always, whenever you go to the pool, it starts, it's so nice. It's, it's a hot day. You get in, it's oh, so refreshing. Fast forward an hour later, and there's clawing and screaming and yelling, and someone's drowning. And, and so I, I think this, and, and, and when I'm in those moments, when I am underwater, being held down against my will, I don't generally think, oh, I'll just wait and let, them get, let me up. I'm, I'm, there I am, and I, I'm craving oxygen, and I'm like, ooh, I need to be selfless right now, and just, I need to just accept this. No way! You're underwater. I don't care who it is. I'm throwing punches. I'm biting. I'm ripping. I'm like, I let me up. You know, I don't care who it is. I'll apologize later. We, I, I think that is a, a picture of how we love ourselves. Self-preservation. We want to live. Imagine that. You know, we eat. Most of us, most of the time. You know, that's, that's a way that you're, you're loving yourself by, by taking care of yourself, by, by eating food, by, by working out, by whatever you do. We take care of ourselves. I think, uh, you know, I think it's pretty fair to say that most of us want to be treated fairly. You know, we don't like it when, when we are mistreated. And, and when we're mistreated, it, it kind of stirs something in us and it causes a reaction. Uh, we want to be understood we want people to know what we're saying and why we're saying it. Most of us, most of the time, really give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? Like, you do something really dumb. But you're always like, oh, you know, like, there's reasons why that happened. It's not my fault. And you tell your accountability leader that. It's not my fault that I ended up in the car with the girl for two hours. I just, I couldn't help it. Please, can't you see? Give me the benefit of the doubt. Come on. We, I think generally we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Matthew 7, 12 says, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. That's the golden rule. Do to others what you'd have them do to you. The idea that I think Jesus was getting across, love others as you love themselves. Give other people the benefit of the doubt. Fight for their preservation. Fight for their life. You know, if you see someone hungry, want them to eat as much as you want to eat when you're hungry. View others as you view yourself. Treat others as you want to be treated. That's how you love. That's what it means to love as, you love our, as we love ourselves. I think it's important that we begin to look at what Jesus loved like. If we really want to know how we're supposed to love, how did Jesus love? I just want to read some verses here. I'm going to go through these. You probably won't have time to, to catch up. Matthew 9, 36. Matthew 9, 36 says this. When he saw the crowd, this is Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. 
Matthew 15, 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Matthew 20, 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and followed him. Mark 1, 40 through 41, a man with leprosy came to him and begged on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, be clean. Mark 6, 34, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he, be- so he began to teach them many things. Luke seven twelve, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, do not cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead, man, the dead man sat up and began to talk. Jesus gave him back to his mother. Finally, John eleven thirty three. When Jesus saw her weeping, this is, this is the story of Lazarus. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Verse 44. Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off your grave clothes and let him go. Jesus authentically loved people. I think when we look through his, the accounts of Jesus, time and time again, we see Jesus having compassion on people. His heart broke for people. But it wasn't just compassion. Any of us can have compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion, which compelled him to action. Jesus was filled with compassion for these hurting and broken people, which compelled him to do something about it. He, went, he, didn't, just, he didn't just feel bad for the hurting people of the world. He said, I know, I know how to fix it. I'm the creator God, and I'm going to. 1 John 2.6 says this, Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Friends, I think we need to pray that each one of us gains more compassion. We need to have compassion for people. But not just compassion. Compassion that leads us to doing something about it. Compassion that leads us to action. That's what Jesus did. Jesus loved people, and he didn't just love them by feeling bad for them. His heart broke for them, and then he did something about it. That's the kind of people I think we need to be. I think there's four different kinds of people that we all need to love. I think if we look at Jesus' model, each one of us need our heart to grow, and we need to love the needy. We need to love those who don't have anything. That is the model that Jesus presented for us. James 1.27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. 
looking after orphans and widows. That's the, that's the kind of religion that God sees as faultless, is helping out those who are in need. It's a theme throughout the entire Bible. Throughout, entire, throughout Jesus' entire ministry, he's helping those in need. Number two, unfortunately, we have to love our enemy. We have to love those who persecute us. Matthew 5, 4, I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Thirdly, we need to love the unlovable. Each one of you at work, at school, wherever you're at, there's the people that, that no one is loving them. We need to love them. In 1 Thessalonians 4.12, it says, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. Number four, love those close to you. Love your brother. Love this group of people. Love your community. Love the people you work with. Love the people you go to school with. 1 John 4.20 If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. That's a pretty terrifying verse to me. As we take this year and, and all of you are in different places in your life, a big part of being in the furnace is drawing close to the Lord, finding out His love over you, letting Him speak His love over you, falling in love with who God is. But we have to be people that let that spill out and that we love other people. I think that's, the, that's a big reason why as I sit around with our leaders and we dream up what we want to do, that's a big reason why this year we're doing this Project 127 idea where you guys are meeting as teams to go and serve the poor, to serve the needy. That's the whole goal. So we want, to, we want to be Jesus. We want to go and help people. I don't know who you need to love. I don't know if it's the person in your accountability group that won't stop talking and is really wearing on your patience. The Bible says that love is patient. I don't know who you need to love. Maybe it's someone in this room Maybe, it's person, maybe there's someone in this room that's hurt you or annoyed you. It's really easy, just so you know, it's really easy to love people that are far away. We go on a mission trip. I'll go, I'll, you know, we went on a trip to Africa. Man, people come back, their, their hearts are broken for the African people. It's easy for me when I go on a trip to China to have, I love those people that I met. They're really far away from me. It's easy for me to cultivate this heart for nations. It's easy for me to have an ethereal love for the lost and the hurting. I think that stuff is good, but, but it's easy. Where it gets hard is really loving your neighbor. The person next to you. The person that you go to school with. The person that persecutes you. The person that you, the, the people that you intermix with. Those are the people that we need to love. And listen, friends, that is how we spread the gospel, is by loving the lost. I mean, if the world would see Christians as really what we're supposed to be, love God, love others, how much different would, would this world be? 
It's not about different projects. It's not about different, different themes. It's not about conferences. It's not about fighting for rights. It's not about all these things. We need to love God and we need to love people. And through that, everything else hangs on those two things. And it'll, it'll flow out of it. I'm going to have John play a song here real quick. And... Um, I want you just to listen to these words. This, this, this song, I was listening to this on the way to uh, Michigan for our conference this past summer. And uh, man, it hit me in the face. And uh, this isn't a worship moment. This is the, the closing moments of the sermon because he can say it a lot better than I can. And so I want you to listen. I want you to take notes on the song. I want you to, I want you to listen to what the words are saying. And uh, anyway, John, if you just want to run that. Jesus tells us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, And I think that's really something that we all need to do better. Love them as Jesus loves them. How does he love them? I, I love that line where it says, the world is sleeping in the dark and the church just can't fight because we're asleep in the light. I pray that we wake up. I, want to, I hope that as, as this body, as this community here, we become a people that serve one another. You know, Jesus said, you want to be great, become the servant of all. That's what it means. No greater love is there than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. That's what, that's what loving other people are. It means. Fight for them. Defend them. Love them when they're unlovable. Look for the good. Don't, don't, don't highlight the bad. Look for the good. Go out of your way to love people that others won't love. It's not, friends, it's not something we should do. It's something we have to do. And I think that there are broken and hurting people that need to be loved in this city. There are broken and hurting people that need to be loved probably in this room. And I don't want us to stop having our hearts break for people that we don't know. I don't want, I'm not trying to say that, that we ought to not go, you know, travel overseas and do missions and have, that, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is, let's start with the neighbor across the street. Let's start with the person that works next, next to you at Chick-fil-A, you know. Let's start loving those people. Let's start, you know, Monday night, Josie and the team are going and prayer walking. Man, love on people. That's what it means. It's, it's, it, it, it's not an option. It's what Jesus tells us to do. I'm not trying to tell you that you don't love people. You might be the most loving person in the world. I'm just saying... We all need to love more because none of us are, are loving as Christ loved. I don't think. We can, we, I, I think most of us can do more. And I just think it's a really big deal because here's, here's the problem. Jesus really, really, really cares about your relationship with him. Really. But you know what? He also really, really, really cares about the people that don't know him. 
and he wants them to come to him. And our best, our greatest asset is to love them. It's the thing that separates us. It's the thing that we can do. Love them with the love of a living God. Go ahead and stand with me and pray. Jesus, I pray that you will give us your heart for other people. God, it's our desire to get to know you and to gaze on you and fall more and more in love with you. But through that, Jesus, I pray that each one of us will have a greater love for other people, a greater love for the unlovable, a greater love for our enemies, a greater love for the people that are sitting next to us, that are close to us, our family, our friends, and a greater love for those that are in need. God, I pray that each one of us will live with, with your eyes. And when we see hurt, when we see brokenness, we will be full of compassion and that we will be moved to action. That we will go out and serve. That we will go out and, and Father, not to be seen, but in secret to love people. God, I pray for your heart to be in our heart, God. May we transform our hearts, Jesus, into your heart. May we see the lost as you see them. May we see the hurting and broken as you see them. May we see the people that we serve at work as you see them. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.